Hello everybody, I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor of DMN. Welcome to the DMN One-on-One -on -one Podcast. And I'm here today with Jason Downey of Lotomy. He's the Chief Strategy Officer there. And you said you've been with uh, Lotomy since 2010? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. In, in, uh, in ad tech speak, that's like uh, dog years or something. So um, I'm going into my 10th year at Lotomy, yeah. Sure, and obviously you've acquired a lot of knowledge and experience about digital publishers. Uh, what do you see as a big challenge for them uh, in this uh, current landscape? Well, I think it's no secret. I mean, it's it's just uh, you know Facebook and Google are you know uh, continue to grow, and um, the, the slice of the pie for all the other publishers gets smaller and smaller. Um, and then there's you know lots of technological uh, innovations and uh, and different challenges that uh, the, the landscape is ever changing. And so they, they need to do uh, you know a lot of things to kind of keep uh, moving and sticking and moving uh, to uh, to stay with the uh, stay with the times. And so a lot of that has to do with how they use data, like how are publishers using data to gain an advantage? Yeah, so I think um, it's been an interesting shift in, in terms of the landscape in the last <clears throat> several years. Um, hmm. Publishers were, uh, so, so I built the, the data exchange at Lotomy, which, which is it's called the LDX, and it's been around since 2011, which was like the initial time where data separate from media was a thing. Um, back in 2010-11, it was just you know targeting on uh, contextual and on, on the page, um, and then at that time, it's like okay, let's separate your, your data and we can you know build audiences um, and, and target them. So I was making a lot of phone calls to publishers in 2012-2013, saying you know begging them to join LDX anonymously to contribute data, and they were like, oh my data is way too valuable, it's way too you know um, way too important. I can't. It's, it's like our gold. Um, and that was even very small publishers, and I'm thinking of like, you know, at the time it was like all recipes, it was different gaming networks, and, 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 and it's true that their data is valuable, but there was, they were thinking about it differently. So um, after a while, the, sh the, the tide has been turning recently where publishers are now saying, oh, like I need to monetize my data, I need to do something with it, because um, just kind of having it locked up um, and not being, um, not being used has been has been tricky for them as they try to find new new line items for profit, um, and big publishers uh, have always been afraid of cannibalizing their media sales by um, you know with, with adding uh, data sales to it, and that's that that attitude is now changing. So, what do you mean then when they're opening up to monetize their data? Why do they have to share it? If you can maybe make it take a little broader view here, what what does that entail? Yeah, so it's it's basically just. You know, um, you take a publisher like a, a fashion publisher, for example, and they have, um, I guess I can use like Hearst as a Lotomy client, and they have, um, you know, Elle and Cosmo and all these really premium fashion brands. And, and when they, um, you know, sell the media on there, that's the very high CPM, it's, it's usually a buyout, it's, a, you know, Maybelline, L'Oreal, all those guys are, are big partners with them. Um, and so if they sell their, what they can what they can do is package their data, visitors to L, visitors to Cosmo, make an audience out of them, and then target them elsewhere off property. Um, and the issue, and the CPM is usually lower just because it's not on the on the property next to the content that is being shown. But advertiser clients like Maybelline and L'Oreal will say, you know, I I, uh, I understand that those are people that. You know that audience goes to that site and is interested in my my brands, for example. But we're just going to show them in a different in a different place. 
so that packaging up that audience and selling it elsewhere over and over and over may you know cause some cannibalization of the media sales, but it's becoming less and less uh, scary for, for, for publishers to, uh, to take advantage of that because they can monetize that audience many, many times over. And is there any other resistance in terms of publishers taking that next step forward? Why aren't more of them doing that? I think they're also afraid of their competition, you know, so like if you think about, um, you know, Meredith and Condé and Hearst, for example, you know, very big publishers, if, in, in my mind, them, I'd say the trend will be in the next two to four years will be for them to kind of band together uh, to kind of um, create a con consortium to combat Facebook and Google. We have clients internationally um, in the UK, for example, all the big news publishers, um, Guardian, Telegraph, uh, Daily Mail, um, Trinity Mirror, Northern Shell, all those guys have banded together to create a new company called Ozone, um, which is um, kind of a, a, a unified header bidding solution. And all of their inventory together is bigger than Facebook and it's bigger than Google. So they're able to um, create a transparent, uh, almost a transparent programmatic um, high quality inventory source. Same thing in APAC, we have uh, in New Zealand, we have a big uh, client called KPEX, and they, they've taken basically every publisher and, and big publisher in New Zealand, premium publisher, and they've, they've banded together to do that as well. So that hasn't happened here in the US yet, but um, I, that's definitely a, a trend where I see it, that, that, that going. And so to go back to your question as, as to what are the other fears, I think I've used this analogy. Um, uh, quite a bit, it's, it's becoming a new favorite. But I think of, I think of, um, like the decision to sell data from these big publishers is kind of like detente. It's kind of like the Cold War, where like, you know, <clears throat> you've got missiles and I've got missiles. Arms race. It's, yeah, and, and so and so the data is kind of like the missiles, and it's like, like whoever fires first, like like we're all gonna die, you know. So like, mutual assured destruction. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so I think I think that's where we are now in, a little bit, and I, I think there's like who's going to pull the trigger first, but I, but they're definitely talking to each other, so we'll see. Well, that was kind of the apocalyptic thought originally, going from print into digital with um, content everywhere. You're giving away your content for free, and now they're going through that with their data. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the print to digital thing, you know, it kind of manifested itself obviously because they went from print to digital. They lost all that money, and now they've got to shrink their their print, and that's, but it was going to happen either, either way, so you have to make decisions to keep up with the times. And now they're coming back around and saying, let's, let's, let's put up paywalls and let's be more, you know, uh, figure out different ways to create subscribers uh, online. Um, and that's, you know, New York Times has done a very good job of that. Um, some others have lagged behind, but I think that's another thing that our technology at Loading Me is helping publishers do, which is to, um, is to, you know, get more eyeballs and then figure out a way to, to get them to subscribe by building audiences. I mean, it seems like opposing forces getting more subscribers to pay versus getting that revenue from clicks. How do you balance that, find that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a great question. I mean, there's there's many different avenues. I mean, we, you know, I was gonna say this towards the end, but like different avenues for publishers to monetize data, or monetize period. Um, you know, one is obviously the data you can build audiences and send, and send it out to programmatic like we talked about. There's um, creating subscribers and creating a kind of a, almost a monthly recurring revenue base. Lists. Yeah, a list of people. And then those people are super valuable because you can start selling them stuff too. Like, and, and you know, there's email lists and then there's, um, so like uh, we have some publishers now that are um, uh, 
creating uh, like exercise classes, for example. They're, they're doing like real world touch, you know, things you can touch. So experiential, you know, experiential stuff like that that they're selling and and creating almost like a quote unquote storefront, um, like in the real world, brick and mortar even. So that kind of thing is uh, is happening as well. Publishers are now having to really take advantage of, build the wall around, and and um, uh, kind of market their brand and, and kind of champion their brand uh, in, in the real world, not just like for people sitting on their sofas at 11 p.m. in their, you know, in their pajamas. Well, you mentioned before uh, the competition with Facebook and Google. Uh, social media is obviously a way that people engage with these publishers' content. So what are they doing to keep up on that side? Is it as easy as putting more video on, on the site? Yeah, no, there is a lot of video, and it's, it's interesting. I heard an interview with one of our clients at, um, at Thrillist Group 9 Media. Um, uh, Hayden was talking about, um, you know, video engagement and how, like, O&O video is a very small part of, of a publisher's, you know, kind of day-to-day -day life these days. It's like, you can have O&O video, but you have to engage with the big boys in order to make money. And so I think... Um, I think he said they had, this was a, a couple month old interview, but six billion, um, they had six, six billion monthly video and, and video uh, views and only 10 to 15% of those were O and O. Um, and of those, you know, 20 or 30% of them were monetized. So there's this whole need for video to become, uh, uh, video and regular impression, to be more and more monetized. There's a lot of, um, a lot of money being left on the floor. Um, and that's where our technology comes in to help in a lot of ways is just to create audiences to build pockets of these different users, whether it be O&O or sent into social media in order to be seen there and then brought back into the, you know, um, to your point, a lot of times that you, you put that content into the social media and then you drag mm -hmm. them back to your O&O and from there you can see, you know, they can, they can uh, engage with more and more content and get more uh, session time. Can you explain that process a little bit more? I mean, that sounds like a big part. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's essentially, you know, people create content and you, it's like, almost like advertising. You just, you have to put it out there in, into, um, so uh, an article or a video gets produced and then it gets put into Facebook and, mm -hmm. and you know, in, in people's feeds based on the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. And then people um, click on that video and then it clicks through uh, back to the, uh, to the O&O, you know, website and then, uh, hopefully from there you're going to get more relational content on the page and you can keep those people people there um, and you know monetize them further and further. So the publishers are preparing for the, um, the reader to come back to their page sure. and putting other content. How, how else can they build that experience more? It's almost like, back? yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost like business as usual, right? Like whether they're social media or not, they have to do that on their page. They're going to have to create relational content and create a way for people to stay, right? That's the whole point is like get the eyeballs, keep the eyeballs. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really the, 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 the whole goal of publishers and then monetize the eyeballs, right? Get them, keep them, monetize them. Um, and um, we have a client um, in Canada, um, the, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, um, and they're kind of like the, um, I guess like the PBS of Canada, they're, they're, they're publicly owned. Um, but they basically, their whole goal is to create content for Canadians to, um, you know, to, to engage with um, and to keep people coming back and just kind of civic pride almost. It's like a different model. They're, they have some monetization to sell fun, but it's really, a, it's not about profitability, it's about um, like the good, good of the people kind of thing, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and they've built a whole, uh, 
they built a whole uh, content management system based on our technology, which allows when people come to the page, they're going to see stuff immediately uh, on the page that relates to their profile. So the first time they visit, they're looking, they're calling our API and looking at like this person loves sports. Like when I go there, for example, and I've done it, like I see lots of articles about sports, even though it's not necessarily New England sports, which is what I love. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's articles about Olympics or it's about um, curling or hockey or you know, it's happening in Canada. But, but, but that kind of content management system, which is based on data, is um, a very key uh, component of publishers today in order to keep those eyeballs there and to keep them engaged and to keep them there longer. I mean, certainly I associate with like the publishers that I go and see, and I'm thinking of traditional publishers, traditional titles. Uh, I want to see what they have. But when you uh, put personalization into that, it may keep me there, uh, keep my attention more. So I saw a guy named Gary Vee, who you might have heard of. He's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a uh, really big time uh, uh, motivational speaker. And he's done all kinds of stuff. He's a really smart guy and a little bit crazy, I think. Sorry, Gary. Um, but he's very, very uh, fun to watch. And the first time I saw him, he really, something he said hit me. And he was like, look, we all sit in our ivory towers and we do our day jobs and we understand the space really, really well and we you know, talk about clicks and conversions and cost per acquisition and you know, APIs and all the things we do on a daily basis. Like when you go home, you're just a dude you know, or a gal who's like trying to live their life. And so um, if you can think of your job in the way that you think about how you consume your content, like as a regular person in quotes, like, it helps, it helps tremendously. And so to your point about like, when you go to sites and you see things that you like and you see other things that you like, that works, it's real, you know? Like when I go through my feed, I see something that, that, that is there because of an algorithm, like that algorithm works, I'm on there and I can't stop, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I gotta go back. lunch is over, you know, type thing, and, and that's the whole point. And so for, for those algorithms and the audiences and um, the data backbone that's helping these publishers get smarter and smarter about their, about their readers, and you know, it's not nefarious. It's to it's to give them give people what they want, and, and, and we enjoy to, you know, if it's my kid watching you know funny cat videos all day because that's what they like. Like when they watch a cat video on the side, there's another cat video and another cat video and another cat video, right? And you cats all the way down. Cats all the way down. You can't you can't get out of that circle. So it's the same thing for for anybody who's interested in something. Um, you know, publishers have to uh, continue to get 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 better and better at that. Are publishers getting hip to that? Oh, yeah. Are they getting more personalized? Oh yeah, they're they're already. The big, you see it? Yeah, I mean that's like I said. I mean having content management systems are, are totally, you know, table stakes now. Everybody's using them, and um, you know, so when you come in, you'll see ads. You know, there's retargeting and stuff, but you'll see like like bought ads on um, my publisher pages that were you know on first look. I'll see them you know come up and it's something I did somewhere else. And, and then they'll show articles, like I said, about the CBC. But on the content side, I think that's the more provocative thing. Yeah, no, it is. And, and that's, that's definitely that definitely happening. It's uh, happening. Yeah, big pubs are thinking about it, you know, um, and are, are executing on that already, for sure. Well, where do you see the, the space going, then, uh, in the next two, three years? Besides, you mentioned, like, consolidation. Yeah, consortiums, I think, I think yeah. will definitely happen. I think, I think more and more... Um, more and more attention to audiences, you know, and, mm. and the data behind uh, the uh, the context is gonna is, is gonna continue to be prevalent. So, um, to kind of create that chain of 
of engagement uh, that happens. I mean, there's so much excitement about data and, and deep learning right now that we're kind of like right at the beginning of that. I mean, do you see that in terms of the data that's out there and how much uh, uh, Ricky Ray Butler uh, uh, recently mentioned um, structured data versus unstructured data. There's so much out there in his space uh, to capture. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, I, you know, Andy Monfried, our CEO, likes to say a lot, you know, we're in the top half of the first inning, and I, I would say we're actually in the parking lot, and we didn't buy our ticket yet, you know, to the game. It's, it's, it's just, it's really crazy. We were talking earlier about fax machines. You know, I think we're still in the fax machine era of, of this. Like, you know, we're going to end up at the iPhone level, but we're not even close to there yet. You know, I think... Um, I think uh, paralysis by analysis is a real thing. You know, there's like, unstructured data, there's so much. There's just mountains and mountains of it, and it's not even being taken advantage of yet. Um, and then, you know, the, the trick is how do, you, how do you wade through that data lake and all that information and find things that are really uh, actionable that allows you to, like, develop a laser-focused strategy to, um, you know, to do the things you want to do to, to get and keep your customers. Well, if we're in the fax machine era now, uh, maybe we can touch back, uh, touch base, in say BlackBerry, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great catching up with you, Jason. Yeah, and, uh, uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast again. This is the DMN One on One podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having us, Chris.